You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. What an exciting morning. I love it. I love baptisms. I love that we get to worship. Um, thank you again. Thank you for, uh, for friends and family and guests that came to be part of that. It's just a, you know, such a special thing to be able to support them and to, to look back. You know, in years to come, you're going to say, remember that time? You know, I was there, and you can show them the photos and, um, yeah, encourage them in their faith. If you have your Bibles with me, would you open them to James chapter 1? Actually, not James chapter 1. Open them to Hebrews chapter 12. That's a different sermon. <laughs> That's for a different week. Don't forget James chapter 1. That was last week's sermon. Deej did a great job last week encouraging us. He's upstairs with the kids, so if you see him, encourage him. Hebrews 12, from verse 1 to 2. Um, the, I don't know if they're going to come up. Oh, you're back there. Caleb's back behind the computer after just being in the water baptized. He's, he's wet back there. Well done. Well done, Caleb. I thought you might have left. It says this. Therefore, since we, have, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, uh, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance... The race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 says this, I have fought the good fight. This is Paul writing to Timothy. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've been leading uh, had the privilege to lead the team that leads this church, Melbourne Lights Church, for 14 years. Been in leadership in this church for 18 years. I have been in the church, the broader church, my whole life. I grew up in church. I love it. Thank you, Ethan. I do. I honestly love it. But there's something that's weighed on me growing up in the church and leading for, for all this time, and that's this. Not just through the last kind of couple years of COVID, but in all the time that I've been leading, that even before that, something that's weighed on me is how many professing believers give up their faith or walk away from the Lord or stop going to church and don't finish well as Paul and as the writer of Hebrews writes in these scriptures that we just read. How many people when they face hardship or disappointment or relational tension or hurt or when things don't go the way that they thought that they should go. Either walk away from the church or even walk away from the Lord completely. I can say this on behalf of all of us who lead here at Melbourne Life Church. We don't simply want converts who say yes to Jesus in an emotional moment but don't continue to walk with him and become mature believers. We want to be a church who makes disciples who have faith that endures no matter whether we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys. Whether we're facing abundance or lack. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I, am, uh, I abound or I have nothing. Whether I'm hungry or I am full. Whatever situation I find myself in, that I'm content that my faith endures. We want to make disciples who have faith that endures. We want to see multiple generations serving and loving Jesus together. 
We're not a single-generation church. This is not just about uh, uh, youth. It's not just about older people. I want to see multiple generations. I want to see decade after decade of kingdom impact, that people are loving Jesus, serving him on his mission, becoming more like him, and seeing the kingdom advance. I want my faith, uh, I want my kids to have faith that endures. I want them to go far beyond where I'm at. Faith that endures the trials of life, the disappointments, the hardships. Can I even say the persecution? And I don't think we know anything of what that looks like in our Western Australian context. But I think there is time, and it's coming, where we'll face actual persecution. Faith that endures. Enduring faith is a key topic right throughout the New Testament because they lived under almost constant persecution. You see almost every writer in the New Testament talk at some point about endurance, about standing firm, about faith that lasts, about not giving up, about finishing well. Because right throughout the New Testament, into every time that it was written, they were facing persecution and hardship. They were excluded from society. They were beaten. They were thrown in jail. They were tortured. They were killed. Not just talked badly about. Things didn't become easier when they became followers of Jesus. They usually became harder. I was reminded recently, and we've, we've spent many, uh, had many trips into Indonesia to minister there. And in Indonesia, when they do baptisms, I love it. It's like the whole church gathers together. They do it at the end of their meeting. And when they baptize somebody, the whole church gathers around them. And they pray and they intercede and they prophesy for like an hour over them. I was like, it's not a short thing. It's not a in and out and everyone cheers because they know at that point their whole life changed. Their families cut them off. They have no more support network. They're like all that they knew before has been cut off. Many, most of them are disowned at the moment of baptism. They don't have homes to go to. Their families stop sending them money if they're at university. It's done. Life didn't become easier at the point of following Jesus. For most people in the world, as in the New Testament times, when they choose to follow Jesus, life became harder. But they still choose to follow him because it's real and he's powerful and he's alive. The reality of following Jesus is this. You don't know what you truly believe until your faith and your life is actually put under pressure. You can grow up in church. You can sit in church. You can do the church thing. But until there's pressure, until it's tested, you don't actually know what you believe. You can say all the right things. You can even quote the scriptures. But until there's a testing, until you're put under pressure, we don't really know what we, what we believe. What comes out when you're squeezed is what you truly believe. What you turn to in that moment of pressure or doubt or shaking is actually where your faith and your trust is. And can I be as honest to say that over a couple years of, uh, of COVID that we faced, and now thankfully I, I think we're kind of through it, that many of us found out that actually our faith wasn't in the things that we thought that it was in. I often said, if you want to know what's really in your heart, accidentally hit your finger with a hammer. Over the next few weeks, we want to, as a church, unpack this idea of having faith that endures. 
faith that's mature. We're, we're calling this series, it's like a mini-series, The Resilience Project. How do we develop and build faith that will endure in the midst of whatever we face, be it good or bad? How do we build enduring faith? How do I strengthen my faith to stand in the trials and to finish well? I don't just want to stand up here at 40. I, want to, I might not be standing up here at 80, but I want to be serving Jesus, running further and faster than all of you guys, and finishing well. There's nothing more joyous for me than to get to stand up and do a funeral for somebody who has served Jesus their whole life till the very end. Maybe the way they do it has looked different. Yeah, maybe they, 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 you know, it, some, some of those doings shift to more praying and supporting and encouraging. But to do, like, to do that and say they ran the race, they finished well, their faith endured, and to share the testimonies of uh, of all that God's used them in. Such a joy as a leader. So what is faith? Can I ask that question this morning? Faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Faith is to have complete trust and confidence in the context of the kingdom in Jesus, in who he did, what he's done for us, and who he is. A.W. Tozer, a great writer, said this, faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Can I suggest that faith is a focus and not a currency? So often we think of faith as a currency that we use for spiritual things to happen. If I just had enough faith, then that person would be healed or I would see salvation or you know, I kind of store up my faith and then I can use it to get spiritual blessing. But the Bible doesn't talk about faith like that. The Bible talks about faith as a focus. It's relational, not transactional. It's not just faith to get what I want or to see something spiritual happen. It's a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the gaze of my soul. It's the focus of my life upon the person and presence of Jesus. It's not a currency that I use to accomplish spiritual things. If you view it that way, you'll never have enough faith. You'll always be striving and trying to earn something that you can't earn, that Jesus bought for you on the cross. When we understand it's relational, it's not about having more currency, it's about having more intimacy. When I come closer to him and I walk closer to his heart, there's a strengthening of my faith. So to have faith that endures, we have to continually direct the gaze of our soul toward Jesus in every circumstance. We have to deal ruthlessly with anything that would try and take our eyes off of Jesus through different times and seasons. Sometimes it's not the hard things that take our eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes it's the blessing. Sometimes it's actually, in our culture, it's the ease of life. Sometimes it's the, yeah, actually the distraction. We have to fight ruthlessly to stay wholeheartedly focused upon Jesus. The coming weeks, we're going to look at some of the, um, the things that try and steal our faith and rob our faith. And how do we keep our eyes on Jesus through those times and seasons? Because we do face seasons where we, we go, God, where are you? Are you there? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that person get healed? Why am I facing hardship? 
Why, you know, why is this going on in my life? How do we stay focused on Jesus and full of faith in those situations so that we run the race well and finish well? We're going to touch on some of those things in the weeks to come. But today I want to ask this simple question. How do we build faith that endures? How do we build faith that endures? Faith that endures, firstly, can I, can I suggest this? is anchored in the person and presence of Jesus, not in circumstances or people. Faith that endures, faith that finishes well, faith that that is mature and growing and strengthening is anchored in the person and presence of Jesus, not in circumstances or people. It's relational. it, it, It draws us to his heart. We read this in Hebrews 12 before. Let us run with endurance. I'm talking about enduring faith. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, or some things say the author and perfecter of our faith. How do we strengthen our faith? We look to Jesus. He is the author. He is the founder. He's the starting point, And he is the one who strengthens and perfects, who brings us into maturity and brings our faith into maturity. Faith is relational. It's anchored in the person and presence of Jesus. It's not a currency. If we look to circumstances, or to people, or to even, can I say, to the church, if we look to everything going well for us, for our, for our faith to be strengthened, you will be disappointed. We, we, we do face circumstances that are hard. I, can I say this? The church will let you down. People will disappoint you. There will be a point that if you're looking to anything other than Jesus for your faith to be strengthened and established, you will be let down and disappointed. And if you don't find a way to get your gaze back upon him and anchored in his person and his presence, your faith will waver. So when we look to those things for our faith and security that we end up falling away, or not working out, or not finishing well. Maybe we lose our impact. Maybe you still have a belief in who God is. Maybe you even still have a personal relationship, but our impact, our ability to see the kingdom advance, all the things, all the one another's, the over 40 one another's that we see in the New Testament about what God's called us to do together are limited when we allow those things to take our eyes off of Jesus. If the circumstances around us, can I say this, be they good or bad, drive us to the person and presence of Jesus, then our faith will be strengthened and matured. It kind of is a, this is a game changer because then it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. You can be in an amazing season of blessing and favor, feel like everything's working, and if that takes your eyes off of Jesus, that is the very thing that will begin to distract you, limit your effectiveness, and weaken your faith. Conversely, you can be in the hardest season of your life. You can be facing uh, uh, sickness and hardship and lack, yet that very thing drives you to the person and presence of Jesus, and your faith through that season is strengthened. I can say this truthfully. Some of you guys know our story um, where when we had Henry, 
uh, our eight-year-old, Elodie and Henry got a sickness and both almost died in the same night. Ended up in emergency in hospital. They were in hospital for quite a long time. And I can say honestly, through that, and, and I thought for about two hours that I was going to lose my wife and my newborn son. Yet in that, it drove me to Jesus. Did I understand what was happening? No. I don't even know if I had the strength in that moment to pray for myself. I called my friends and I said, pray, can you pray? I woke, we woke people up all over the world and they prayed and they interceded. Yet it made me look to him. It's like there was like a sharp focus in that moment. I'm not preaching this having not walked through it. I'm preaching it saying that even in the hardest moment of your life, if it drives you to the person and presence of Jesus, your faith will be strengthened. Peter, Peter steps out of the boat. Um, Peter and the disciples are on the, on the water. There's a storm that comes in. And it says uh, in the scripture that Jesus was walking to them on the water. And Peter, I love Peter's faith because he's like, if Jesus can do it, I can do it. Which is actually what the Bible says. If Jesus did it, we can do it. And we can expect to do greater things than he did. So Jesus sees him walking on the water. The, the rest of the disciples freak out. They say it's a ghost. We don't know what's going on. I'm sure they're already scared because of the storm. But Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come to me. And he steps out of the boat, and one of the most amazingly profound, miraculous, faith-filled moments happens in Scripture. Peter walks on water. We often fo focus on the next little bit, and everyone goes, oh, Peter. It's like, it says, when he saw the waves and the storm, he began to sink. When he took his focus and his gaze off of Jesus and onto the circumstances, he began to sink. And we go, oh, Peter, you know, he began to sink. But the point is, Peter was the only one that got out of the boat, and he walked on water. And when he saw Jesus, the miraculous was, there was I mean, that's a faith-building moment right there. I mean, he was close enough. He got close enough to Jesus that Jesus actually just reached out and grabbed his hand. And they walked back to the boat on the water. I often thought about, like, you know, if he began to sink, was, like, Jesus walking on the water and he was just dragging Peter? Like, <laughs> just... But no, it's just like he, it actually says he lifted him up. Like, I, I don't think it was Jesus on the water and Peter, like, going, oh, and getting dragged along. <laughs> Someone said, to the degree that your theology and practice is focused on the person and presence of Jesus will determine the growth and endurance of your faith. The degree, to the degree that your theology and your practice, because it's not just about head knowledge, it's actually about putting it into practice, is focused on the person and presence of Jesus who will determine the growth and endurance of your faith. So faith that endures is anchored in the person and presence of Jesus, not circumstances or people. Secondly, faith that endures is tested. None of us like to hear this. This isn't like the feel-good point. Faith that endures or resilient faith is faith that's refined through the fire. It's faith that's tested. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 9 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love that that hope is alive. Not a dead hope, it's a living hope. For the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded 
through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The genuineness, the tested genuineness of your faith as gold that's refined through the fire. When your faith is tested and we stay anchored in the person and presence of Jesus, your, your faith is strengthened. When they refine gold in the fire, they pour the gold with all of its impurities into blazing white hot fire. I don't know how I stumbled onto it, but you know when you start scrolling through, like, I'm not on TikTok, but it's like the TikTok videos that are on Instagram. And then you find out, like, 35 minutes later that you're just watching rubbish. But we were on holiday, and I was just scrolling through rubbish, mainly, like, videos of people crashing things and, you know, falling off of things. But a video of gold being refined came up. It was an amazing process. Because every time they heat it up, the impurities come to the top. And they, they, they remove them, and then they heat it up again, and the impurities come to the top. As our faith is tested, the things that would weaken it come to the top. And, they, and, 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 and the Lord can remove that, and we can go, oh, I didn't realize that was still in me. And he can bring healing and he brings refinement, and there's a strengthening. Because if you, you could just have gold with the impurities in it, but it's not as strong, it's not as pure. So that's what happens when our faith is tested. It's refined as gold through the fire. And then it's found to be genuine. You don't really know what you believe in until it's tested. Like, like what, what I said before, what you turn to in the moment of testing in the moment of pressure, in the moment of doubt or of shaking, is where your faith and trust is. Whatever that is, it might be, I mean, to be honest, it might be an addiction. It might be an area of sin. It might be a sin habit that in the moment of pressure, that's where you run back to. Can I be as forward as to say, that's where your faith is then? And so what that is, is as it's tested and it's revealed, we go, I don't want to run to that thing in the moment of pressure. God, help me be free. And we can bring it to others and we can ask others to help us and keep us accountable. That's part of discipleship. And as we do that, he brings freedom and he refines us and our faith is strengthened. When we don't deal with it and those things come up and we just push them back down and we go, no, it's fine, it doesn't matter. We push them back down and we're weakened. The enemy has a foothold and he comes and he goes, yeah, but remember that? And that pressure, that's, you, know, you didn't run to Jesus, you ran to that. And we start to have doubt and anxiety and fear and all that stuff. Enduring faith is tested. Thirdly, faith that endures is in community. Mm. It's not just the person and presence of Jesus on my own, although that is important. Because we have to find out and figure out and fight with how do, I, how do I constantly come to the person and presence of Jesus on my own? Because if I don't do it on my own, then it just becomes false in the community. 
We have to cultivate that personal intimacy with Jesus. But he always intended that to then be added into a community of faith. Jesus' intent, and we see this in Scripture, he doesn't just call the disciples and then say, okay, I've called you, now go off and be in the wilderness. Become a monk on your own. No, no, there's a community of faith together. He's added together. It's with others who, when the shaking and trials of life come, that they gather around us. They gather around us in prayer. They gather around us in relationship. They say, look to Jesus. Get in his presence. Come to him. Don't be distracted. They support us. They hold our arms up a little bit. It's always meant to be in a community of believers. Because together, the Bible says this, iron sharpens iron. There's a sharpening that happens. There's a, like there's a refining of our faith when those things come up. It's not just, I have to deal with this on my own now. Oh, woe is me. No, no, actually, we can bring it to others who stand with us in prayer, who encourage, who encourage us. When temptation comes, we can call somebody and say, can you stand with me? Help me. Pray with me. Not take the responsibility from me, but stand together. They remind us of the promises of God. The faithfulness of God, the testimonies of who he is and where he is and what he's done. I got to sit with somebody this week and they're talking about just God stirring some faith around uh, a business thing. And I said, let me share with you testimonies I know. Just shared testimonies of different, God's faithfulness in business and God providing and God opening doors to new nations through businesses and God seeing the kingdom advance and churches being planted through business ventures. Just stirring faith. Hebrews 10.25 says this, let us not neglect to meet together or forsake the gathering of believers. This is in the context of faith. Pastors love to, love to quote this because they want people to, to like, you know, come and be in the meeting. Um, and the meeting's important. It's not all of it, just so you know. The, the meeting's not the whole thing. It's about life and discipleship and the kingdom advancing. But the meeting's important. But we can take this out of context. Let us not neglect to meet together or forsake the gathering of believers is in the context of faith. Let us draw near. It says this in verse 22 of Hebrews 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And, and, this is the bit that we just read, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day grows near. In the context of faith and in the context of the one who is faithful, even when we're faithless, he's faithful, he says, don't stop gathering together because you, somebody needs your faith. You have a part to play in this community. And whether the gathering's in a home or on a Sunday morning or whatever that looks like is fine, he's just saying you have a part to play. Don't remove yourself from the process of, uh, of strengthening faith, your faith and others. Why does the enemy do anything he can to stop you gathering? Because he wants to isolate you and he wants to take you away from community and support because he wants to weaken your faith. Who's ever found it difficult on a Sunday morning to get to church? 
Everyone's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, you know, the one morning your alarm doesn't go off, the kids throw up on each other, like, the car doesn't start, you have, like, a, a, a wicked fight with your spouse, like, just before you leave the house, like, and, you, you know, you, you get here and you're like, oh, the enemy's trying to stop you gathering. It's the same, whenever we had a discipleship group in our house, it was, like, literally a half an hour before everyone came, we'd have the most stupid fight, but the biggest fight you've ever seen in your life. It'd be over something, like, be over nothing, but it'd be like, can we make this fight any bigger? Then, like, you know, somebody's always early, and, like, you are in the middle of, like, and we're like, hi, steam coming from your ears, like, putting the cups down, (laughs) sorry, would you like a tea? (laughs) It's not natural. It's like that's, the enemy doesn't want us to gather because faith that endures is faith that's in community. And so he's going to try and stop that. He's going to try and distract. He's going to try and bring whatever else it is, other things in life, to stop this happening. Because he, it's not just because he doesn't want you to gather. It's because he doesn't want your faith to endure. It's not just, oh, I don't want you to be there. It's I want to weaken your faith so you begin to doubt the one who is faithful. If we don't see behind it, we go, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not the big deal. I can have a relationship with God on my own, and you can. But what he wants to do is weaken your faith in the one who is faithful. My final point is this this morning. Enduring faith is faith that is used and it's worked out. James 2 verse 17 says, so also faith by itself, it does, if it does not have works, is dead. People get all confused about this because they start to get confused about salvation, and it's not about salvation. What he's saying is this, faith that isn't used or faith that doesn't have an outworking begins to die. It's dead faith. If you stop putting your faith into action, if it's not used, it begins to die. Faith has to have action. I can tell you all, uh, I can tell you all the time that Ellen and I have a relationship, but unless we practice that and we sow to it, we don't have a relationship. I don't know why she's looking at me with big eyes like that. We just had a holiday. You just told everyone last week how much you love me. <laughs> if I'm captivated by the person and presence of Jesus, if the, the, the gaze of my soul is fixed upon him in any and every circumstance, then I'm going to become more like him. I'm going to do what he said, and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. That's the reality. If faith is relational, it's the gaze of my soul that when I'm captivated by who he is, there is an outworking because I become more like him. I do what he did. I do what he's called me to do. If faith is transactional, then I can store it up. I don't have to do anything with it. I just put it in my pocket. I bury it in the ground. I take the talents. I don't do anything with them. And I just wait for that moment where I just want get, to get something. I got to you know, buy some spiritual blessing. If faith, if faith is a currency and it's transactional, it doesn't matter what you do with it until you want to do something with it. But if faith is relational, then it matters what we do with it in every moment. Because there's no moment that God doesn't want to have relationship with you. There's no moment that he doesn't want to be intimate with you. There's no moment that he doesn't want to speak to you. 
It's used and it's worked out. Resilient faith is faith that is mature, it's strong, and it endures. Faith is not a currency. Faith is a focus. It's an intimate relationship with the person and presence of Jesus. If you get nothing more this morning, get that. That faith, for, to be strengthened, to grow, to endure, is an intimate relationship with the person and presence of Jesus. Anchored in who he is, tested in community, and worked out. Would you stand with me this morning? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.